We are continuing the series, Seeing Through the Fog. Sometimes our emotions can get a little foggy, but God can help us see how those emotions can lead us directly to Him. He can help us see through the fog. Today, Pastor Javen will be sharing how God can help us see through the fog of anger. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. We are concluding the series that we've been in over the last several weeks uh, called Seeing Through the Fog, where we're looking at how God helps us to see through the fog of our emotions and things in our life that, that often try to capture us, enslave us, they mess with us mentally. Um, and so we've looked at several different things over these weeks. First week, we looked at shame. We looked at how shame comes into our life. It'll start as guilt. But what shame does is it takes the things we've done, the things that have been done to us, the things we're associated with, and then it creates in us a mentality of that's who you are. And we become shameful of it. But we said Jesus went to the cross disregarding the shame of the cross so that we could overcome shame that is in our life. And so uh, that's what we talked about the first week. Second week, we looked at depression. We said depression lies because it tries to tell us there's no hope. We have no hope in anything. Um, But we have a hope in the person of Jesus Christ. So depression cannot rob us of hope because it cannot rob us of Jesus. Because we will not lose Jesus. He's alive and well and reigning in our life today if we are in him. My wife talked about anxiety in week three. And she talked about anxiety as a cruel master. And scripture tells us, it teaches us that we can discipline our mind with our help from our Father, our Heavenly Father, through His Holy Spirit. We can pray. We need to learn to pray to Him, petition Him specifically over specific things in our life. And, and we need to uh, and, and be grateful and be thankful for what He's done in our heart and in our life around us. Last week, we talked about envy. That envy gets us to want things that we think we should have, things that other people have, thinking God's withholding his goodness from us in our life. But again, we need to learn to be grateful in what God has done for us and realize that God's goodness is never withheld from us. And the cross is always proof that his goodness has not been withheld from us. So we can do as the psalmist said and taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've missed any of those, they're online. You can always go back and check them out. Today we're going into the last one, the one that, uh, I don't know if I've been looking very forward to this one, uh, as might be why I put it last. Um, but we're talking about anger today. Um, a few weeks ago, I took my mom to her pre-op COVID test and uh, the drive-through wasn't very clear. And I wasn't the only one that didn't understand where we were supposed to go. I was behind another car. And so we get to this place where we thought we were supposed to be. They had to move cones for me and the other car in front of me to go through. And as we're going through, I had my window down. I happened to hear one of the workers say something that I thought was pretty rude about the people who were coming to get a COVID test, to have a surgery through their hospital and association. So as I heard this, I then quickly retorted back how I thought the clarity of what we were supposed to do at their drive-through COVID test was trash. Um... I did not cuss. I did not do anything like that. I didn't say anything about them personally. I just let them know how I felt as well uh, about the situation. Um, uh, We got there and checked in. Obviously, everybody's mood wasn't the greatest. Again, nothing major. But my mom was nervous because she was afraid when she went to get her COVID test, they were going to shove the stick really far up her nose because I let them know how I felt about the thing. Now, my mom... My, my mom uh, is a sister. Her brother is the former lead pastor 
before Pastor Casey here at Bethel. So that makes Pastor Don my uncle. Many of you know that. And Mr. Holland, my aunt. They're in Tennessee uh, this weekend. I don't know if they planned that or not. But uh, she told them that story. So the first week of the series when we started, Uncle Don, Pastor Don, walked up to me and he said, so are you going to be speaking? Your mom told me about what happened. Are you going to be speaking about anger? Uh, I said, I'm looking for somebody to do it for me. And, uh, so basically what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you what I'm learning. All right. That's really what I do every week. But I have a feeling, I've got a feeling I'm not the only one that maybe some. So in fact, I thought we would do a little word association this morning. Let's get started with a little word association. A little fill in the blank. Let's see how we, how we do with this. You guys help me fill in the blank. Let's start with number one. What do you think when you see temper blank? Temper. Oh, see, you're good. What about road? Yeah, right. How about this one? Anger. See, all of you are in the same boat right there with me. Because all of your minds went right to there. I mean, maybe it was a little misleading in how I set that up. But, but no, I mean, it's, it's something that we, we all kind of, maybe, not all. We can't all be like some, you know, there's one person in particular, someone that's been attending this church for years that I know, Mr. Bernie Cobb. Many of you are blessed to know him. He doesn't struggle with this in the least, you know. Um, I've never witnessed it. But if you're a parent, you probably have the issue from time to time. We live in an angry world though, right? I mean, you look around, there are people angry about anything and everything. We talked about social media last week and how it can cause us to envy. I mean, you see a lot of angry people on social media too. We might be some of them. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, but, But a lot of anger is expressed. But there's people canceling people left and right because they're so angry. But let's look at some Proverbs that when we read these Proverbs, it kind of makes us think, ouch, when it comes to anger. Proverbs, we're going to kind of go through these real quick. Proverbs chapter 12, 16. Look at the characteristics of angry and quick-tempered and hot-tempered people. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted, right? Next one says this, 14, 17. Short-tempered people do foolish things and schemers are hated. Next proverb in 1429 says, people with understanding control their anger, but a hot tempered shows great foolishness. All right. What's another, what's the next one? What does it say? 1518, a hot tempered person starts fights. A cool tempered person stops them. All right. What's the next one? Uh, 1911, sensible people control their temper. So that means if you don't control your temper, you have no sense, right? That's what Solomon's saying. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. All right, what's the next one? Uh, verse chapter 22, 24, 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you'll learn to be like them. And look, this one hurts. And you'll endanger your soul. Ouch. I think there's one, one more, what, uh, a couple more. Twenty nine eleven. Fools, again, there's that word, vent their anger. But the wise quietly hold it back. And one more. 29, 22, an angry person starts fights. We've seen that. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. These are characteristics that hopefully we do not want to be characterized by, right? We don't want to have these things saying who we are. The problem with anger, and without trying to be generalistic, the, the problem with anger often comes from the fact that we get upset, we get frustrated, we get angry when we're not getting what we want. That's when it typically happens. 
And so what happens then is we then condemn the person or whatever it is that's standing in the way of us getting that which we want. Let's look at James chapter four, verses one through two. We actually looked at these verses in our series uh, a while back on first comes love, talking about relationships. When you talked about conflict, James said this, what's, qual- what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the what evil desires where at war within you? And then verse two, he says, you want what you don't have. So you want something you want to get your way. So you scheme, you kill to get it. That's pretty forceful, but you're jealous of what others have. We talked about envy last week, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. But you don't have because you don't ask God for it. See, James is basically saying that our anger condemns anything that comes between us and what we want. Because we are, by nature, we are a people who are committed to our own well-being. We're, we want to get ours, right? We, we want what we want. And we don't want anything to stand in the way of it. And so when someone or something gets in the way, we oftentimes respond with an uncontrolled passion. It's Paul, Paul likes to give us lists in his letters. When he's talking about sin and things in, in our life that are not good. A couple of lists. Let's look at a couple of these lists. One of those he wrote to the church in Galatia, chapter 5. He said, when you follow the desires, okay, again, these are desires that are within you. And a desire typically says, I won't, right? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, all kind of fit under one category. Next verse, we see verse 20. He says, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Then we go into these, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, all can be rooted. Those last ones under a category of anger, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong. Then he gives this list to the church of Colossae, Colossians chapter three, verses, sorry, verse five. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things where lurking with in you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolatry, worshiping the things of the world. And then look what he says, verse six, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. In other words, if you're following Christ, your life should be changing. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. See, we see these categories that Paul has and these, these, these lists that Paul is making. And all of these things that go into these lists seem to be driven by one thing, and that's desire. It's an I want. And Paul seems to, he, he puts a lot of things in these categories that fall under two specific areas. It's almost to point out that our raw human condition leans two ways. It's either towards sexual immorality or anger predominantly in our life. And we see those two things a lot in our culture. And often we, we oftentimes we know when we talk about the danger of sexual immorality and we know what that can do to us and how that can mislead us in our life. But do we put the same seriousness and emphasis on what anger can do to us and how divisive and destructive it can be? 
So Paul is putting anger in this same list with things that are driven by what we want. So when you're, we're in that next disagreement, maybe we can pause and think to ourselves, okay, is this really, is this, am I getting angry and this disagreement happening because I'm just not getting what I want? And then stop the conversation, stop it right then and just say, you know what, we're in this because both of us are having a problem right now not getting what we want. So if that's the situation, let's just stop and, and, and take a moment. And I realize this is harder to do than say, or harder to say than it is to do, which most things are. But, but stop and say, okay, neither one of us are getting what we want. So what's, what's the best possible outcome here? And is there something that, that we're missing? But anger is also considered the moral emotion. Because anger... Anger says that what just happened was wrong. And so I'm upset because either what was just said or what was done, maybe it kept me from getting what I wanted, but also it was wrong in the way it was done. And so because anger is a moral emotion, we often want to say that we have good anger. We have righteous anger. Right? My, my anger, I'm righteous in it. And there's no doubt that there has been anger in a good way that has led to change in our world. I mean, two very quick examples by two people with the same name. Martin Luther got angry that the, total, the religious leaders were keeping the totality of Scripture from the whole of church. So he led a reformation which opened up the opportunity for every believer to have the totality of the word of God in front of them to be able to see and not be misled by others. Martin Luther King Jr. was angry at injustice and racial prejudice. So he led a movement of freedom and civil rights. Good anger, righteous anger, can lead to change. In fact... If it's a good anger, you could define anger as an impassioned energy, not an uncontrolled passion, but an impassioned energy from within us to defend something that we love. Jesus would get angry. And possibly, probably, if you know the Gospels and you know the Scripture, the very first example that comes to your mind is when Jesus went into the temple and he was upset at the money changers, so he overthrew tables and cracked whips. And that's where everybody thinks about when they think of anger. But there's other places where Jesus is described as having angry and being upset. One of them, I love this one. Mark tells it to us in Mark chapter 3. You can go back and read it and look at it. It's the very beginning of the chapter. But Mark describes it's the Sabbath. So by law, most people, religious leaders, meant when it was Sabbath and it was rest, nothing was to be done on the Sabbath. Absolutely nothing. But Jesus was all about others. He was all about loving others. He was all about helping others. And he taught us that's what we should be. And so Jesus, Mark chapter 3, it tells us that he's out there teaching and he sees the Pharisees, religious leaders, come walking up. And he knows that they're there for one reason, and that's to catch him doing something that they could be able to say was wrong, blasphemous, illegal, try to turn the people against him. So Mark tells us that, I love this, 
in Mark chapter 3, the New Living Translation says it this way. It says he looks at his critics. <laughs> and he calls up a man with a deformed hand. He says, come here. And he looks at his critics. And he, and he, and he says to him, the word says, does the law permit good deeds to happen on the Sabbath? Or does only evil exist? In other words, what Jesus was saying he's, is he was saying this. I, I, look, evil doesn't take a day off. So people are doing evil left and right. So by your understanding of the Sabbath and what we should and shouldn't do, are you saying, are you coming here to condemn me to say that I shouldn't do something good for somebody right now because it's the Sabbath, even though evil is running amok all around us? And of course, the Pharisees don't respond. They have no response. They can't respond. And so Jesus, Mark describes him this way. He says, Jesus was angry and saddened. He had an impassioned energy that led him to want to do something for someone he loved because he loved this person who was hurting. And so he reached out and he healed this man's deformed hand, which he knew was going to upset the Pharisees because he healed a man on the Sabbath. He did something good for someone. He was upset and he was angry because these guys promoted religious custom over their love for people. And it's a picture of two different ways anger works in our life. Because Jesus gets angry at their heart and how they are and he does something good for someone and he helps them. The Pharisees, Mark tells us, get angry and storm out of that meeting and begin to plot again how to kill Jesus. It's a total difference between impassioned energy to do something for someone out of love because you're upset and angry versus uncontrolled anger to hurt someone else because you're upset with what they're doing. See, there should be things in this world around us that cause us to get angry. In the face of evil, if we're not angry at evil, then we're probably not loving. But while there might be right things to be angry about, mishandled anger does not produce good change. Anger applied with wisdom can be constructive. But uncontrolled anger will always lead to destruction. And will destroy. That's why James said this in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. He said, Understand this, my dear brothers. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what? Slow to get angry. Slow in your anger. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And there's one other passage of scripture I want us to look at this morning. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to look at it from the New King James Version. Paul is writing in, his lang- in, in, in this letter to the church of Ephesus. And he's talking about how we treat one another. And he gets to where we see verse 26 in chapter 4. And he says this. He says, be angry. Do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, understanding, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So Paul starts this segment out by saying, be angry. You know, your translation that you have may say, in your anger, don't sin. But there is a, a place here, there's a leeway here that Paul is saying, there is a place in our life for anger. And anger is, is, is an emotion that, that we're going to have. Because, I mean, we are created in the image of God. In the likeness of our creator, Jesus expressed anger, as we just saw, in certain ways but in good ways. So Paul is showing us that there may be anger in us. So when anger comes, don't shove it down to only allow it to later blow up and shut people out in your life. He wants you to be aware that there's anger. So don't deny it. Don't deflect it. You know, angry people are often the very last to admit they're angry. Sometimes even the last to realize that they're angry. So if we're angry, admit it. Don't deny it. Don't deflect it. Accept it. My kids love it. When I say, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. And they come back to me, well, what's the difference? Well, there has to be a difference. There's two different words. There has to be two different meanings. But they're a wise bunch, they are. Anger is anger. So Paul is saying, admit... When you're angry, acknowledge it because the only way you can get to the next step and the next place you need to be, we talked about this several weeks ago, is to know where you are right now. So when that emotion is there, except, okay, this has created an opportunity for me to be angry. But then he says this, don't sin. That's very key for us. Because Paul is telling us that just as easy as it was for you to get angry, it's also very easy for you in that anger to sin. See, we, we often like to use the phrase, you made me so angry. You made me so angry. And that's, okay, it's very easy to, to make the statement. That really, and really what's happened is an opportunity has arisen <laughs> for us to be angry. And then guess what? We chose to be angry or act in that anger. But just in the same way that the opportunity arose for us to be angry, there's also an opportunity, Paul is saying, for the devil devil, to have a foothold. 
The same opportunity we have to react in our anger is an open door opportunity for him to destroy our life. This is why we need the wisdom of God to guide us and to direct us. To do as James said, and even as Solomon said way back in the Proverbs, to be slow in your anger, to be controlled in it. Because sinful, uncontrolled anger will make us foolish. Just as Solomon said over and over again. And it will not lead us, as James said, to righteousness. So Paul tells us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't let your anger become bitterness, hatred, a grudge. Recognize the anger that's there quickly is what Paul is saying. You know, we, sometimes we hear that and we say, we need to get the resolution to everything right now. I don't know that that's exactly what Paul is saying, but sometimes that doesn't happen. You may not get the resolution to everything right now, but you can get control on yourself inside right now and not allow the bitterness, as the author of Hebrews says, to take root and destroy everything around you. And you can get control of what's happening within you so that the chains of anger do not take over in your life. So be angry, but don't sin. And then he describes these characteristics that we shouldn't have in our life. Basically what Paul is saying is don't let anger get control of your mouth and your mood. Uh Uh-oh. Right? Because we, that's the problem with anger. Anger is one of those things that causes us to act and often act so quickly. That's why Solomon wrote so much about quick-tempered, hot-tempered, short-tempered. Because <laughs> that's what anger does. It causes us to act like that. But as we said, anger, sometimes there should be a response that's created in us. But that's why we have to be slow and controlled. And we should act with compassion. And we should act with love. And we should act with a hope to bring change to the situation. Anger becomes sin when it's used to attack people instead of injustice. If in our anger we are attacking each other, we aren't doing no good. So just like with every other sin, we need to act with accountability or aim for accountability when it comes to anger in our life. So whenever we become angry, a few questions we should ask ourselves. What is this anger defending right now? What, if I'm getting angry, what is it defending What am I wanting that I'm not getting right now that's causing me to be so angry? Am I getting angry over the right thing? And am I acting in the right way over it? Am I controlled? And then Paul ends the portion of his letter 
by telling us that we should forgive one another. So that means this. If our anger has hurt someone, then we need to repent to them. We need to truly express, we understand how our expression of our anger hurt them and caused hurt in their life. And repent. Because we have to open up a door for healing. If we are followers of Christ and we are walking with Christ, we have been called to be salt and light. That means we are called to make an impact on the world around us and the people around us for the kingdom of God. But if we crush people in our anger, what kind of impact are we going to be able to make in their life? The only way for that to be restored is for repentance and forgiveness to take place. There has to be a place for forgiveness. And we also need to forgive others who may have hurt us in their anger. Understand that maybe they got angry. And some situations are harder to forgive than others, there's no doubt. But Jesus talked a lot about the importance of forgiveness and the importance of forgiving other people. And he talked about it so strongly, in fact, that he said, if you can't forgive someone else of their wrong done to you, your heavenly Father in heaven cannot forgive you. Forgiveness is a very important thing in our life. If we want to be forgiven, we should be forgiving. Forgiveness is about the relationship. It's more about what we want to happen with the other person than with us. And that's exactly what Jesus taught us to be. Someone who sees the other person over ourself. So if we want to in any to see any problem that we may have with our temper, our anger, if we want to see that decrease in our life, then basically what we have to do is increase the value we put and the value we have on other people. Which is, again, exactly what Jesus taught us to do, to love others. And as Paul said, to put others ahead of ourselves. And the more you consider another person over yourself, the more we'll be slow to lose our temper and slow to get angry when we don't get what we want or when a wrong is taking place around us. We'll understand how to be like Jesus and have more of an impassioned energy for those we love rather than an uncontrolled, sinful passion and anger that would hurt the ones we should love. Heavenly Father, I thank you for where we have been in your word over these last several weeks. And I know that people have been hit right where they are with many of these messages and many of these things 
because so many of us struggle with all of these emotions and all of these things in, in mental ways in our life. Trying to overcome shame, trying to overcome depression, anxiety, envy, jealousy, and anger in our life. Because if we're followers of Christ, we know we don't want these things to be destructive in us. So often these things grab us, God. It's hard for us to let them go. But Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for Jesus Christ, who was the word in flesh that came to dwell among us, who lived his life in a way that allowed us to be able to overcome these things in our life. And he did it through the cross. So we're thankful for it today. And Father, we thank you as well and again for your Holy Spirit that as Jesus said he was going to give us that would help us to be able to live in a way that produces a life that is opposite of these things. As Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Galatia, after what we just read earlier, that the fruit of the Spirit would produce in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Your Spirit would produce in us things that would help us live victorious over shame, depression, anxiety, envy, and anger. So, Father, help us to walk by your Spirit. Help us to live by your Spirit. And I do pray for anyone in this room today who may have been hurt by anger, hurt by angry emotions of someone else and angry actions of someone else. Father, I pray today that they can find freedom through forgiveness. It may be very hard for them today to forgive. But, Father, I pray that they would find that within them through you and the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for those today and here that may have hurt others with their anger. Help them to realize it today. Help us to realize it today. If there's anyone that we may have hurt in our anger. Because we were quick-tempered. And Father, help us to be quick to seek forgiveness to those that we need to repent to and help us find forgiveness today. And we thank you for it, God. Father, we love you. We seal all these things by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to celebrate today and ending our service with a baptism. And they can go ahead and come down if they're already there. That's awesome. But I do want to say as we close out, today's message may be one that leads you more than just to the altar (laughs) to seek repentance from God. It may be one that leads you to someone to seek repentance. And so I just challenge you and encourage you today that if there's someone that maybe you need to go talk to because of what anger has done in your relationship with someone, I encourage you today to do that, to find healing to find forgiveness in whatever way you can in that relationship. Amen. 
If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccanbin.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.